So um, in 1988 or so, my wife got turned on to God, and many of you know my testimony. And you're even going to know the story I'm going to share today, but there are always people, folks, that don't know, and so I'm going to say for their sake as well. But she gave her life to the Lord, and her, my mother and her became prayer partners, and their number one assignment was going to be me, for me to come home to Jesus. And so I'm standing here as a testimony of that uh, because people prayed for me that loved me. And so... We should be praying for our loved ones and friends uh, during this Passover season. You know, people are thinking about what's going on uh, in the world. And then, of course, Easter comes and we bring Jesus, which is the, is the answer. And so we need to be praying for those folks that they, they return or, or, or they come for the first time to Jesus. And so my life has never been the same. But in 1988, my life was turned literally upside down in more ways than, than, I, can, than I can tell you today. But it was a direct result of the prayers of my mother and my wife at the time, and maybe others that I'll never know that were in agreement as well. And, um, and um, one of the things that had happened, began to happen was supernatural things began to happen in my life and in my world to where I couldn't deny that God was involved in those things. God was trying to get my attention, and he did. And one of the things that had happened during this, this season um, was that my wife and I were going to Indiana to spend some time with um, her younger sister and husband, and, um, and we borrowed my, my dad's car to do it because my car wouldn't make it. So, um, and so we were driving, in, and of course we got, we got detoured off of the, uh, the freeway work, or whatever they were doing, and we were on a country road, a side road sort of, uh, that was taking us around the horn to get back onto this freeway maybe 10, 15 miles out. And so as we're driving, I noticed the car started to miss a little bit. It was just, you could feel it was spitting and sputtering a little bit. And um, I looked down, and I saw the, the, little, uh, uh, the little gauge, and it said it was running hot. The, 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 actually, the, the needle was all the way over. So I knew something was awry. So I said, she said, what are you going to do? I said, well, there's a little place up here. I can see a little place. We'll stop, and we'll take a look at what's going on. So sure enough, um, there's like a farmhouse on one side. There's a road crossroads in the country, and like a little, um, we used to call them IGA stores, um, but little, a little, uh, just a little neighborhood grocery store slash kind of gas station, and so um, I pulled up right to the front, there was a bay of windows, a bay of windows, and as I pulled up to the front, you know how you're getting closer, you get closer, you can see people inside, and there was a man, a gentleman, and he was at the cash register, and he was holding, or he was actually had his hands on two uh, gallon Prestone jugs, like this. And as I'm, as I'm pulling, he's like this, smiling like that. I mean, I thought, what's this joker looking at, you know? I mean, don't be looking at me like that. That's just, I don't like that. So, and he just smiled the whole, I pulled right up to him in this parking spot. And um, so I jump out, I, you know, I lose, I lose track of him. I jump out. Uh, open the hood, and sure enough, you know, it's, it's whatever, it's smoking and the whole thing, and, and, and uh, obviously we are, you know, we are in, in some problems here. And so uh, I'm trying to wait for it to cool down. I'm looking around to see if I can see anything else, any leaks, anything like that. And as I'm doing, I'm just a kid. I'm probably, I'm, I think I'm 20 years old. And so, um, and so I really didn't know what to do. This guy walks over. He has the two gallons of Prestone, uh, you know, antifreeze. And he sticks them on top of the wheel well of my car. And he says, you'll be needing these. I said, oh, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know how pride kicks in. I'm fine. You know, I, I don't even know what the problem is yet. He says, no, you'll be needing these. Matter of fact, he said, you've been losing antifreeze for, mile, antifreeze for mile, miles. And I said, oh, 
And he said, he said, if you'll go and look underneath, he said, there's a little hose that goes from the, the radiator to the, to the engine. He says, and you've been leaking coolant from there. It's like there's a little slit, a little crack underneath, and that's where, that's where the problem's been. Now, the whole time he's talking to me, I can tell, Rich, something's different about him. Because he has something, there's a joy about him or something that, you know, when people get too giddy, you're like, what's up with this dude? You know, what's going on with this guy? And he ain't blinking. He's looking right dead in my eyes. Nobody looks you dead in the eyes. Not for long. Looks you dead, not blinking, and just thought, this guy is strange, right? So, but I, for some reason, I trusted this guy. And um, he says, matter of fact, he said, he said, pull that off, that hose off. And when you do, go across the street. He said, you see that farmhouse? I said, yeah. He said, over there, they'll have your part waiting for you there. I said, what? He said, yeah, don't. He said, nope, just go over and take care of it. He said, and oh, he said, he said, and if you need me, just call me. And it took off walking down the middle of the street to nowhere. It's farmland, just straight down the middle of the street. I thought, oh my God. Now there's something in me because I've been braised Pentecostal. I said, am I dealing with something super? What in the world's going on here? Pastor Robin said to me, she says, honey, she said, what was that guy? I said, I don't know this guy. He said, he, he gave us these two, these two jugs of antifreeze and said, the problems is this, that, and the other. Go across the street. She goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to take it off and look, look at the problem and, and then take it across the street. I go under the car as God is my witness. I can see the green stuff dripping from a little hose right where he said it would be. I took the thing off, had a screwdriver, took it off, went across the street to the, this little uh, farmhouse. And uh, it was like an auto parts store, but it was a person who lived there. And it was on a big piece of property. And it was kind of run down. And they had, I remember it was an old farm door. <laughs> and it had little white lace, like kind of like this. I could still see through it. And there was a sign in the middle that said, closed. And so I thought, well, you know, I started knocking on the door. Knocking on the door. I'm, 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 I need to find some answers. I knock on the door a couple times. Sure enough, guy goes to the door. He speaks to me through the door. And he says, son, I'm closed. I'm sorry. And I said, I, I know. I, I realized I kind of got a problem here. And I kind of show him the hose. He goes, he didn't, he didn't want to open up, you know. And bless his heart, he did. And so he lets me in. He goes, well, he said, what, what seems to be the problem? I told him the, the make and model of the car. He said, well, I don't carry. He said, he used the term Mopar. If you're all familiar with uh, Chrysler products, they're called Mopar. He said, that's a Mopar part. I don't have that. I don't carry those. I said, oh, okay. He goes, well, he kind of let me see what I got. So he starts flipping lights off. He goes off, he, um, rather, he goes to the back of the store, makes a turn. I, I don't see him for a second. Comes right back around. He scratches his head and he's holding a box in his hand. He says to me, son, this is your lucky day. I can't explain this. He goes, but this box was sitting right in the middle of my workbench. I looked down and there's a box that's right here. I said, oh my Lord. He said, he said, yeah, it's your lucky day. I said, well, how much? He goes, nothing, it's on the house. Put my little part on, put my little antifreeze back in. I put the part on I didn't pay for, put the antifreeze in that I didn't pay for. It was on my way. I'm just here to tell you that even though it may look like there's impossibilities going on in your world, and even though it look, may look like you ain't got what it takes to get it taken care of, God supernaturally can send an angel. Come on! And the title of my message this morning is Stranded. Everybody say Stranded. God has a plan when you get stuck. Father, we thank you so very much, Lord, for your anointing, Lord God, your provision. Thank you, Lord God, that nothing is too hard for you. I thank you, Lord God, you're stirring our hearts this morning in faith, Lord God. Those, those that are in this building, those that are watching, Father God, on their devices or in their television screens, Lord God, you're building faith. 
to believe the impossible, Lord God. And Lord God, that it will cost us nothing, Lord God, for you are the ultimate provider. And we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big hearty amen. amen. And amen. I want us to look at Matthew, or no, no, let's skip that one. Let's go to, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. And it says this, it says, Then David arose and fled that day from, from before Saul. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now, David took these words to heart. By the way, isn't it interesting that he's, he's, he had to flee from Saul, who didn't believe in him. He had to flee from Jesse. His dad loved him, but didn't believe in him. Remember, he had all the other boys lined up to, to be, be reigned, to be rather anointed as king, uh, everybody except for David. So he has two father figures that doesn't see the potential that's inside of him, but these people that are enemies to Israel can actually see the gift. Shouldn't be the case, but this is what they're saying. They're saying, that's the same guy. And then it says, now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in, his, in, in their hands, and watch this, scratched at the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. So now then you got David, who is a nomad. He, is, he, he really truly belongs nowhere. He's been somewhat banished from Israel, definitely from the house of the king. Saul has him on the run because Saul's jealous of his anointing. Saul's jealous of what he's able to do. Saul also knows he's not really the rightful king. The people may think this, but he knows God doesn't see this in him because David was actually, in fact, anointed of Samuel to become the king. So now he's a nomad. He belongs nowhere. He's stranded. And people now think he's crazy. He's scratching the gates. He's got saliva dripping off his beard. And so David completely had to change in one moment. I'm going to get to that in just a second. So the story of David is very, very, very simple. God wanted to choose a king. He chose David, a shepherd boy, to become king. He didn't look kingly, but that's who God chose. You know, God chooses what he intends to use. He'll choose what he used. Some, some say amen. Or he'll use what he cho has chosen. So he is now anointed by Samuel, uh, and he goes and proves himself to everyone by this battle he has with Goliath. Remember the whole story of Goliath? He takes Goliath down. As a result of that, he is invited into Saul, his home. He marries his daughter, so now he's in the family way. All right? And so now... He has, Saul recognizes that the people are beginning to hook on to him and decides to, you know, just basically to kill him. And David runs for, runs for his life. He runs into the hands of the Philistines who are the, who is really the enemy of Israel. And in that particular situation, what happens is that he begins to go and they receive him, even though we were, they were first kind of fearful of him and him them, but they receive him and he begins to learn their ways. And by the way, this is not my message today, but something that was in my heart. And that is this, is that a lot of times we, pull, we try to pull away. The church always wants to pull away from the world, and we should as far as our relationships and just hanging out with people. We should understand, though, that we have a mission in the world. The moment that you got saved, notice that Jesus did not rapture you off the planet. 
but that he kept you where you were so that you become a mouthpiece, a prophet or a prophetess in your world to the people around you. And we need God's people to be bold and strong in the world that God has set them into. Somebody say amen. And so this is going on with David's life. And so watch this. God did not abandon David. God allowed the process to prepare David. Say it again. God did not abandon him. God allowed the process that he was to go through to what? To strengthen him, to mature him. This whole thing for us actually begins with Abraham. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And God help me. I'm going to get through this message this morning. I will bless those who bless you, God said to him, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be what, church? Everybody say blessed. blessed. All right. Blessed means to be empowered to prosper. So God didn't set it up for you to fail in this lifetime. God sets you up the moment that you came to him. He sets you up with something called the bless you. Someone sneezes, we say, God bless you. That is not that is not what it means. That's not saying God bless you in the sense of, hey, you know, pardon what you just did or whatever. It is to say that when God blesses you, it is to say that God prospers you to do well, to go over and to arrive into your destination. Somebody say amen to that. And the word says that it was the faith of Abraham. Everybody say the faith. The faith of Abraham that led him to the blessing or the empowerment of God. God has left us with his ability for things to function and for things to grow and for things to multiply in our lives. And church, faith and obedience is what empowers the blessing of God. So you can be blessed and never have the blessings. Because if I'm not willing to be obedient to what God tells me to do and then to activate my faith, walk out in it believing. Now watch this. Watch it. Devils believe and tremble, but they're not going to heaven. Why? Because they don't have faith toward it. They don't work towards it. In other words, when we, have, we believe something so much, our faith kicks in, which means I believe it so much that I work towards it. I'm obedient unto it. So faith and obedience empowers the blessing of God. If you don't have faith, then most of what God has for you will not be manifested in your life. In other words, God has already supplied everything you need, but it may not show up in your life if you're not willing to walk it out in faith and obedience. And why? Because what you need from God is not in the natural, it's in the spirit. Let me say that again. What you're looking for is a quick answer to happen in the natural. But God says, I've supplied it first in the spirit. And you've got to believe me for that. And you enact it by obeying what I tell you to do. Ephesians 1.3 says, blessed and power to prosper be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, what? Has blessed us. Not going to bless you. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were grafted into the blessing of Abraham and the blessing of Christ Jesus. So you got both blessings. It has already occurred with every spiritual blessing that's come to you in heavenly places in Christ. So while you're looking for the temporal things to change, you got to look for the spiritual things to take place first. You got to look for the eternal things first. You got to get your eye on the things of the spirit before you get your eye on the things of the natural. Come on, somebody. You want a new car? Look for some obedience in your life. You want a new house? Where's your faith to obey God? What he asked you to do yesterday. And remember this, the natural world is supported by the spiritual world. Can I say that again? The natural world, everything we see right now, is supported 
by the spiritual world. If there wasn't a spiritual world, there could not be a natural world, which makes it more real. Why? Because it's more real than the physical world that we live in. Why? Because heaven is dimensional. Sometimes we think of heaven as just a place, a planet. Some people think it's that way, and I'm not knocking that, and nobody knows for sure. But the way I read the scriptures is it's dimensional. Why do I say dimensional? Because I notice at any moment a portal can open, and we know angels show up. She didn't hear me. I noticed the Bible says in your New Testament says that there's a cloud of witnesses that look down upon you and me and enjoy the things that we're doing and, and observe the things. How could they do that if they're way somewhere else? It's dimensional. I open to you a great and effectual door, the Bible says. That thing's in the spirit. So it's not far away from you. Everybody say it's not far away from me. Say my blessing is nearer to me than I ever thought. Why? Because it's dimensional. It's in the spirit realm. It already is there. It's a parallel existence. If you want to say quantum physics, you can say that if you want to, but God calls it the spirit realm. Heaven's dimensional, which means it's physicality versus spirituality. It's physicality versus spirituality. And the spirituality enforces the physicality. The Bible says that the worlds were framed. The world, the galaxies, the, the universes, uh, 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 the earth itself was framed by the word of God. His word is what? Spirit, the Bible said. Numa, spirit, life comes forth out from the word of God and does what? Brings a support system to the physical world. Everything you see came from the mouth of God, came up out of his spirit. And you and I have been created in the very image of God. You better watch the words that come out your mouth because in a time of stress, you're going to find negative words come out. You've got to say, Father, forgive me and start speaking like he speaks. He said, light, be in darkness. In other words, you call darkness light. What happens? Everything in your life begins to shift towards the light. Oh, Jesus. This simply means that our supply is not from earth. Hey, it's from the spirit first. Let me say it again. Your supply is not from this planet. It's from the spirit first. The reason why we ask so small, I said this last week instead of asking big, is because we've been trained to look at what we have as our source. Church, God has an unlimited supply to fulfill our lives. That's why Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. He's looking for faith and obedience. Why? Because you rely so much on the physicality. You rely so much on this. He said, I need you to start trusting me. And in my kingdom, there is no limitation. So the moment I start seeing you give your tithe and your offering based on your check and your stimulus check, I notice the malls are getting a little bit fuller now. But I'm not kidding. Because we trust the physical more than the spiritual. But Jesus said, give of what you have. You receive what you don't have. The more I shed the physicality, the more I can receive from the spirituality. Now look at what it says in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Ooh, Jesus. 
Jesus. Now to him who is able to do. This God, number one, is an able God. Everything going on in your life, he's able. No matter what's going on in your life, he's able. Well, you know, you don't understand what's going on in my world. He's able. And not only is he able, he's able to do. So this God's an able God and he's a doing God. I feel like preaching this this morning. Him who's able to do, watch this, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. So the, watch this, if I ask and think on this level, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above that. But if I ask and think on this level, y'all didn't hear that, that was an opportunity to shout. Exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly means to go beyond your supposed limitations. There's always going to be some sort of limit that the devil sets out or just in your own physical man sets out before you. But with God, he crushes all of that. And he's an able God. He's a doing God to give you an abundant supply according to the power that works in us. How about this? Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. And my God shall supply all you need. There are seven plus billion people on this planet. And God gave a promise to every single one of them that no matter what your need is, I'll supply it. Do you think this God has ever run out of resources? And my God shall supply all your need according to not your bank account, not the money you got hidden in that drawer, that sock. He said, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now watch this. My God shall supply. Supply means to fill to the full all the way to the top, all the way up. Okay? What? Anything that's lacking. So the word supply means fill to the full all the way to the top, anything that's lacking. Supply what? Your need. What does need mean here in the Greek? It means your business endeavors. It means your distribution of funds. And it means necessity of duties. Every one of those things, you need money for it. To, you need money for your business. You need money to fulfill your duties. And you need money to be able to distribute your funds, pay your bills. Watch this. And riches means abundance. So when you put it together, God, my God shall supply. My God shall fill to the full all the way to the top. Everything that's lacking in my business endeavors, lacking in my distribution of funds, and lacking in my necessity duties, not according to my bank account, but according to his abundance in glory. Somebody shout yes. I'm thankful that God is going to supply all my need, but it's still going to require my faith for it to take place. Hallelujah. I want to do something else, but I'm going to say it with my notes. Second Kings, rather, verse number four. Second Kings four, verse one. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know the servant feared the Lord. And the creditors are coming to take away my two sons to be slaves. In other words, she felt completely stranded. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. 
And when you come in, you shall shut your door behind you and your sons. He's saying, I need you to get your vision up higher. First of all, you told me you got nothing. But then you realize, well, I do have a little jar of oil. But in your mind, you're thinking that little jar of oil cannot fix my problem. God doesn't require you to have the answer. He just requires for you to have faith. Am I preaching all right this morning? It's good news for all of us. And then he says, now, but I want you to start. You have to have an act of faith. Go out and borrow vessels like you're starting an oil business. And with the, little, the limited supply that other people would say was limited, he, he says, you'll start with that. God's going to do a miracle. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she began to pour it out. Now, it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then the man of God came and said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Are you catching this? That the woman had enough not only to deal with the debt, but God made sure she had an abundant supply for her and her sons. Who's ready for that kind of breakthrough and miracle? Although she felt stranded, when you feel stranded, that's when God shows up. There's an unlimited supply for you, church, when you are obedient to God and his word and act on it in faith. Obedience is better than sacrifice, the word of God says. The woman obeyed the word of the Lord and she moved from being stranded to being handed a miracle. I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Could you just indulge me a few more minutes? Now, it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, the Lord, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Watch this. And all these blessings shall overtake you. I'm not going to go through the blessings for sake of time, but you'll see one after the other that God says, I'm going to bless you here. Everything from your body to your, to your money, to your job, to your business, to your family, I'm going to set you up. This is God's desire. But then verse 12, I don't, I don't know if they had time to get the CEB version. Did you all get the, got it? Okay. It says this, the Lord will open, here it is, the Lord will open for you his own well-stocked storehouse. Y'all catching this? God ain't, God, look, God's shelves don't look like coronavirus when it first hit, right? And you walk, you couldn't get no bread for a little bit, right? And everybody kind of freaked out and the toilet paper was gone. God's got lots of toilet paper. He'll take care of you. Come on, somebody. So he's got a well-stocked storehouse. Get a vision of that right now in your spirit. You're his son, you're his daughter, and he ain't broke. The heavens providing your land, watch this, with what? Rain at, the just, at just the right time and blessing all your work. Empowering your what? Work. So if you're sitting back, oh, God, I just need a breakthrough. Jesus, please just give me a check. Every day anointing your, your uh, mailbox with oil. Oh, God, today will be the day. That's not how it works. I'm not saying God can't do that, but I'm saying that's not your dependence. Your dependence on what can you do? I'm going to work with what I got. Okay? And he said, I'll bless your work. But he also said, I'll send the rain. Now, when we talk about the rain, y'all, that's when we get excited. You know, send your rain, send your rain. We get excited, right? Rain is it's symbolic of so many different things. And we get excited. But the Lord showed me something. I, th I thought, this is interesting. Rain is inconvenient. When you're planning a picnic, rain is the worst thing to happen. Rain makes things messy. 
Rain makes things muddy. In fact, a storm, a rainstorm, can be dangerous. It stirs everything up. We went through a storm in our church years ago. A lot of churches did, actually, in about 2008, 2009, a financial storm. And it was tough, and we had to lay people off, and it was hard doing all that kind of stuff. But then, at the same point, you know, uh, we were just trying to be able to make ends meet. And uh, we were trying to keep things going, the ministry going, all that kind of stuff. But it happened so fast and so sudden. And to be honest with you, um, we were hearing horror stories of friends that were losing their, bi- their, their uh, buildings and their property, church pro- properties. I'm talking about. These are pastors. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is not going to happen to us. I'm believing God for a miracle. I'm believing you for a miracle. And so it was a very difficult season for us. And so we went into a place. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, sometimes God doesn't show up until you're in the midst of a storm. I wish it would be before the storm, you know, warm me to be inside during the storm. But most of the time when God shows up, it's in the middle of a storm. We own $2.2 million on this property, and we were, I was pastoring the other church in Beloit. We had two properties and owed about $2.2 million on that property. So about $4.4 was our total debt with the two properties uh, at the time. And that's a lot of money, y'all. That's a lot of money. And so, you know, it, 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 you know your, your, your mortgage on that is about $27,000 a month. Every single month you got to come up with that money. And so we were on television, seven different stations, had a nice-sized staff, a lot of things going. And, you know, all of a sudden here comes the storm. It was a financial uh, thing. It broke. The economy broke, and it was bad. People had to leave. They couldn't work in the area anymore, and it was, it was tough. But my point of all this is that God still did not, even though I felt completely stranded, God did not cause me to be completely abandoned. Even though I had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I'll be with you. My rod and my staff, they'll comfort you. And the whole time I'm going, I need the money. I need the breakthrough. I need, we're going to lose these buildings. Oh God, what are we going to do, right? I, we've worked so hard. Don't leave us like this. Don't, tra- I'm, you know, I'm in the physicality. I'm the guy that preaches this every week. And fear gripped me because I thought, what are we going to do? There's no way out. It's not getting better. 50% of our income shot, just gone overnight. That's tough, y'all. That's a hard thing. And so we were having to make decisions. And I, all of a sudden, I just felt the peace of God. I sat down on my board and I said, you know what? I don't care. If they come take my buildings, I'm not allowing them to take my peace. We'll restart. We'll rebuild. We'll do whatever we got to do. I said, I believe the church will be with us. And whatever, but I am not living on the pressure like this anymore. To God be the glory. And we made a decision, called them up. And the long story short is this, is it didn't work out the way we planned. And we lost these properties. You say, how are we in them? At some point, I decided to get my faith going. Come on, somebody. And even though it looks like it's broke, even though it looks like it's down, even though it looks like it's died, this God can cause a resurrection. And the long story short of it is, is so, so much detail into it that I want to share with you today is this, is that in the midst of all that, God gave me this scripture right here. Psalms chapter two, verse eight. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Jeff, you got a mortgage on your mind. Jeff, you got a couple properties on your mind. You got some food on your mind. You got your car note on your mind. You got your mortgage on your mind. But God has got the whole world on his mind and he just wants somebody that will believe him and say Lord I know you ain't broke busted or disgusted you want a cattle on a thousand hills and I'm your son I'm an heir to God join heirs with Christ Jesus you gotta bless me Lord 
Jesus that'll preach right there. Hallelujah. And when you make the ask, when you make the ask, make it from the revelation that your God ain't broke. He walks on streets of gold. God did a miracle. The last moment in the late in the midnight hour, God turned it around. And not only that, we owe 2.2 million on this. And God actually, actually what happened was uh, we actually got a million dollars taken off of this loan and a million dollars taken off of that loan. Somebody say amen. Y'all didn't hear me. Cut our debt in half. We did some hard negotiation. The Holy Ghost is tough, boy. He's a great negotiator. Told me how to do it. God did the rest. But we had to start by believing that it was possible. And we're going to pay this building off too. I said, we're going to pay this building off. We're not going to owe any man but to love him. Jesus. There are two systems that are always at work in our lives. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. The effect is what you see in the natural. Your daily lives and in your routines. The cause is what's behind it to make the effect happen. So the cause for you is in the spirit. The effect is what you see that has been manifested. So a lot of times we, are, we try to deal with the effect when we're supposed to be dealing with the cause. What's the root? Look, you and I have been given authority, access to do something about the cause that brings about the effect. Faith will change the cause, folks. Faith will change the cause. Not enough money to pay your bills is the effect. Sickness in your body is the effect. Negative marital problems is the effect. Family squabbles is the effect. This little quote here is overused, but I love it. People say, well, I, I, I see the wind. Well, how do you see the wind? You can't see the wind. Well, I see the tree over there. The branches and the leaves are waving. Well, no, you don't see the wind. You're seeing the effects of the wind. But it's the wind that's causing the effect. Jesus, again, in the midst of the storm, he doesn't deal with the effect. He deals with the cause. The Bible says he stood up and he rebuked the wind. And the wind had obeyed him and the waves ceased. So the things that were causing them to capsize, Jesus didn't deal with that. That's the natural. He dealt with the effect, or the cause rather, and that was the spiritual. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, we're constantly, we, we relegate our lives to dealing with things that we can see, and therefore we get involved in the physicality. Jesus taught us to loosen ourselves from all the physical. Yes, you do it because there are things that have to be done, but I don't trust it. My trust is in the living God. My trust is in his promises to me. Has God ever given you a promise? Well, how long are we going to wait for it to come to pass? Well, in his timing, just in his timing. It's not in God's timing. Of course, we know ultimately we understand that. I'm trying to get you, challenge you this morning and say, wait a second. Maybe it's because I haven't stepped out in faith. And where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I congratulate every single one of you this morning, those watching this right now, God bless you. I congratulate you because you took it serious enough to come to the house of God, to hear the word of God, to build up your faith. And so 
the word of God has got to become paramount in your life so much that CNN, Fox News, uh, whatever you listen to on, on your, your podcast or, or, or whatever, on, on social media, all that stuff, number one has got to be the word of God. Take heed to what you hear. Because what you hear is what's going to get in your spirit. The word of God is an inventory of all that God has supplied to meet your needs and beyond. And look, a part of the problem that we face in our lives is that we are not cooperating with the process that God has laid out for our lives. We fight it. We don't want to go through the process. I don't want to go through the valley. I don't want to go through that situation. I want it to be over with. We want what we want. We are Americans. We love Jesus, but we love him within a certain religion called the Burger King religion. He's king of kings. He's Burger King of kings. What do you mean? Have it your way. Everybody wants to have it their way. When God says you got to have it Yahweh, it's got to be God's way. Y'all didn't shout hard enough on that one. Amen. His word has all that we need, but it takes faith to operate in it. I'm going to do one last thing and we're going to close. Joshua 1.8, please hear this. The book of the law. This word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on him on this. You know, I thank you, Lord God, that by your stripes I am healed. I thank you, Lord God, that I prosper. Everything that I do will prosper. Everything I touch me according to your word, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that everything I'm doing right now, Lord God, is, is moving in my direction. What, what Meditation means to think so hard that your mouth begins to mutter it, mutter it, mutter it, mutter it, mutter it. The book of the law shall not depart from it. Meditate that you may observe to do. Walk by faith according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Let me ask you this. Who makes your way prosperous? If you say God, I'm going to get upset with you. God blesses you. What God did for you is the ultimate. He empowered you to prosper. But your prosperity is up to you. He said, you make your way prosperous. You have good success. Now, let's do this. Indulge me for just a second. Put it up on the screen. Joshua chapter 1.8. I want everywhere you see you, I want you to put your name there. Okay? Put it up, guys. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, please. This book of the law shall not depart from Jeff's mouth. Put your name. Put your name in it. Say it again. This book of the law shall not depart from Jeff's mouth, but Jeff shall meditate in it day and night, that Jeff may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then Jeff will make Jeff's way prosperous, and then Jeff will have good success. You ought to put that in your Bible by every you. Make it personal. Hallelujah. I got 15 ways I want to go to end this thing. I can't. But let me just say this. Never, ever agree with darkness, church. Never agree with anything that's contrary to what you're believing God for or what the word of God says you can have. You need to know the devil will throw out all kinds of barriers to keep you stranded along life's ways. 
every time you come up against a barrier, don't see a barrier. See a potential breakthrough. See the promotion. See the hand of God at work in your life. We talked about it, Pastor Rob and I did a little bit on, on Thursday as well. There's something about going to that, that spot where you can't go any further, and then God kicks in. That's where so many of you are right now. You're at the spot where literally you're the point of no return. Can I just give you a little hint? Keep moving forward. Well, I feel like giving up. You give up, you drown. But if you look, it, it will cost you more to go back. Certainly as much energy as going forward. You might as well just keep moving forward. Somebody say amen. Say this after me. Say today, my life shall no longer be stranded. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Give the Lord a shot of praise about it. Come on. Yeah.